Welcome back to the flip side, quarantine edition. Galen Clavio, Brian Moritz joining you once again as we go from no shows in three months to two shows in three days. This is progress, <laughs> I think, Brian, right? I mean, we've got to kill the time somehow. So there's only so much online teaching we can do. And um, there's no news except for, you know, we're all dying. Well, so, yeah, we might as well. The uh, And yeah, we don't even have the teaching at this point because we're on a two-week spring break here. Uh, yeah, right. so it's, uh, it's interesting times, to say the least. <laughs> but uh, we're not going to talk coronavirus, at least not directly today, because, God, if you're on any form of social media, you're inundated with that. I, I will say... It is fascinating watching people, as they get more and more bored, deciding <laughs> that arguing with people on Facebook is a f- perfectly fine way to spend an hour. Like, hey, I'm going to go jump into this conversation that I never would have ordinarily jumped into with this person that I know I disagree with, and we're just going to go at it uh, with machetes and chains and and just essentially just beat the crap out of each other so that's been nice to see I, i've been i've enjoyed people rediscovering like 2011 all over again <laughs> i've been a big fan of uh monday I don't, know, I don't remember if it was monday or tuesday when we did our our first corona episode but um uh, I was a big fan of all the schedules that people were posting of their kids and their homeschooling and now we've had the total um yeah. The, the total reversal of that, and now it's just basically, yeah, we're just trying to keep our kids alive, yeah, which that, is the way it should be all the way along. Yeah, but, I mean, um, you could just replace the schedules with just a just a Word document written in impact font saying, none of this shit worked. <laughs> um, it's just, it's, it's I mean, look, I, we've we tried to do some educational stuff at the start, and we still fit it in every now and again, but it, it is essentially, it is... This this is this is essentially like trying to control a little league team on a twelve hour bus ride that turns into a, a never ending bus ride. You know, right. I mean, I don't know how, I don't know what you're supposed to do. Uh, and I, I, everybody's in a different spot. You know, it's like I've got friends who they've got a, you know one kid's ten and the other kid's eight, and you know that's that's an okay age. It's not perfect. Uh, you know, I've got friends who have like three or four kids and they're going crazy, but they're kind of used to it already. And then Mm -hmm. like my kids are four and two, which, you know, maybe you get 15, 20 minutes out of them in a given moment. It was funny. Um, this morning, you know, we put frozen two on as one does, uh, for the girls. And, uh, one of our, the the oldest one was like, can you turn this off? Because uh, we don't want to watch it right now. And I'm like, okay, now we're in real trouble. Like when we've, when we've hit the point where they no longer (laughs) want screen time, we've got some significant issues. Right. Um, yeah, we, we've exhausted the Legos, we've exhausted screen time. And now, like I said, my daughter's upstairs, she's, uh, she's nine. And at that age where her friends have phones and she has like, like phones are like working at functional iPads and iPods. And now it's just go talk to a friend. I don't care who you talk to, how long you are on the phone. Just talk to talk to another human being that is not, um, that is not us for a little bit. So, um, but we didn't want to, we didn't want to steer clear of coronavirus stuff and um, get talking about the NFL because uh, thankfully stuff's happening has given us sports. We have sports content to to talk about. And uh, it was, it was funny because earlier in the week, again, I think it was Monday. Somebody, it was right at the beginning of like, are they going to delay free agency talk or anything like that? 
and the NFL, and somebody tweeted out like how I saw this from a couple people that would be tone deaf for the NFL to announce its signings given everything, and like this is the opposite. Like I think it's been the most welcome thing to have some sense of normal normalcy in the sports world. There's no normalcy of the signings, but just having stuff happen has been great. And both of our teams have been active and obviously the Brady stuff has happened. So where do you want to start with this? Well, I think first and foremost, I would like to salute the NFL for not bowing to public pressure Mm -hmm. because there were a lot of people that were saying, Oh, this would be so tone deaf if the NFL did free agency, like, you know, and maybe it is tone deaf, but at this point, any tone is acceptable Uh, i mean it's like you're not you haven't you haven't lost anything i think in this process nobody looks at the nfl and says you brutes how dare you go about your business uh and the nfl's done some i think positive things you know they're not going to do the draft in person and they're not going to do it in vegas they're they're, i don't know what their plan is but the, the idea first and foremost that we shouldn't have gone along with this free agency process which is basically like just the free agency process you see in the madden games like it's it doesn't require people being there in person or anything like that there have been a couple contract signings and things like that but by and large like there's no reason not to do it and so i do take my hat off to them for that and then we have to take our hat off to tom brady and the league for uh, having a really big story right off the bat yes and one that resolved like just fast enough that there was a little bit of uh, of back and forth as to what might happen. But, like, you know, in the morning, it was like, oh, my gosh, Tom Brady's leaving the Patriots. Where is he going to go? And normally, that's like the the hellscape cycle of, you know, first take followed by another first take. It's just nothing but just nonstop speculation. And this actually got cleared up within about seven or eight hours where it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, Tom Brady's going to Tampa Bay. It was like, wow, that's a nice, tidy package. Great story. Lots to talk about on both ends of it. And we don't have to listen to people blabber on for no good reason about the speculation. They can actually blabber on about the outcome. Right. And it was funny. There was so much. I feel like the blabber about the speculation was happening. Like since the Super Bowl, you know, every day on High Noon or on ESPN there, or on ESPN, there was another rumor about he might be going to San Francisco, the Raiders, I don't know, the Chargers. I think Tampa Bay was in. I don't know. Um, it seemed like it, it seemed like a lot of the speculation stuff did happen kind of throughout, um, throughout throughout the off season. But yeah, it was it was almost it, it was funny to me in a way because um, I'm keenly interested in the story, being an AFC East fan, and like once. He announced on Instagram that he was leave, Brady was leaving the Patriots. I mean, I celebrated for a good morning on that. And then it was like, I really didn't care where he wound up as long as it was outside the division, which I kind of figured it would. And again, that's a more personal thing. Like, it's interesting that he's in Tampa Bay and what that team might be and what they might do and all that. But it, it, it was almost to me like the fact that he was announcing his leaving was so much of a bigger story and a bigger bigger piece of this than just then where he where he ends up where he ended up and being in Tampa Bay is I mean it's an interesting move isn't it I mean from a football perspective obviously but like like Tampa Bay they really you know since what since Gruden was the coach there back in the back in like the early 2000s they've kind of been just kind of like one of those teams that's in the league but you but they, they haven't really had a 
well, a, a profile at all. So it's kind of interesting now that they do, assuming Brady's going to be good. And it's not like he was yeah. very good last year either. The, you know, it's interesting that Tampa Bay, they, both them and the Patriots, you could make an argument, had similar trajectories throughout the 70s and 80s and even into the 90s. I mean, the Patriots mm-hmm. had that rena- that renaissance. I guess I guess to have a renaissance, you have to have had a sans. A sans, yeah. and there was really no sans for the Patriots uh, prior to that. But um, the you know the Buccaneers were similar. The Buccaneers were an expansion team in '76. They they frankly didn't do much of anything noteworthy from 1980 until about 1995, and then mm-hmm. uh, they they slowly started to climb up out of that, and it culminated in that Super Bowl win in in 2002. But you know they've been been in the mix. They're in a sneaky good division, and then you look at their history. And since the Super Bowl, they've been to the playoffs twice total. And the last time that they went was 2007. And that's sneaky long. It's yeah. sneaky long. Like that's a really long stretch of time. And you look at their the coaches they've had. Like I'm just you know I, I'll read Morris, Shiano, Smith, Cutter. And now Arians. Arians is really the only one that you think of in a good way. And and right. some of those, like if I asked you right now, hundred dollars, what's who's the Smith there? Uh, Gino, I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's Lovey, right? Oh, Lovey Smith. Yeah, okay, yeah but sure. but you would be, but you don't think about that. Like you're, it, just, right. it doesn't pop. And so, um, so it is interesting that of all the teams, they're like one of the most innocuous teams that Brady could have possibly gone to, where. Um, you know, I mean, I think the Chargers, ironically, were the other most innocuous team because right. nobody really cares about either one. Like, and no one cares if Tampa Bay gets good. You know, right. like there's not enough of a, no no offense to the the three or four Tampa Bay fans out there, but there's just not enough of a fan base that likes them, and there's certainly not enough of a fan base that dislikes them. Like they're not even they're nobody's biggest rival in their own division, let alone right. anywhere else in in football. So. Yeah, but it's an interesting story, and I do think that it's, you know, if you think about Brady and you think about the narrative surrounding Brady and what it is that we, like, how do, this is an unprecedented sort of thing, in my opinion, Brian, because here we have a 42, soon-to-be 43-year-old quarterback who's still very good, we think, but we're not sure how much of that is him and how much of that is the system that's been designed around him? He obviously still thinks he's at, at a level like a 35-year-old quarterback who's in his prime is at. And we're going to learn a lot very quickly about how much he can actually do on a football field. He's in mm-hmm. a good spot with a coach who you do wonder to some degree how on earth this is all going to play out for the Buccaneers and for Brady, and mostly for Brady because the narrative of the Buccaneers just isn't that interesting. Right, yeah. I mean, the Buccaneers are, uh, like you said, they're a who cares team. But it's the the, the Brady, and it, and it's so interesting because one of those like great narrative slash first take debates that that have been going around for a lot of years is is it Belichick or is it Brady? Like, who deserves the most praise? Who's like the architect? Who's the cornerstone of that New England dynasty over the past twenty years? Um, and it really is, you know, you, you it's hard to separate the two. You know, they're very they're very joined and they're very and they're very interconnected in a lot of ways and it's going to be fascinating to see um i think new you know new england is 
still probably going to be pretty good or good-ish, I assume. You know, watching them last year, Brady was – he was fine. I mean, he's he, – he, if his name wasn't Tom Brady and he didn't have the pedigree, he'd just kind of be like – I don't know, kind of like a Steve DeBerg type old quarterback, but he has the name, he's got the reputation, and that that precedes a lot of uh, uh, that 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 carries a lot of weight when you're thinking about him. Um, and so it'd be interesting to see. I mean, he's got some weapons, he's got some offensive talent around him in Tampa Bay. Um, so I don't know. It, I mean, and it's fascinating to look at Brady's career where you kind of have like two or three very distinct. Um, distinct groups where you have like that first couple of years he was the starter and he was like almost like the prototypical game manager like right. before that was used as a pejorative right i mean he was the guy who didn't make mistakes he always seemed to make a right play um he was just kind of there and then he and then after he got hurt he kind of came back and was you know the when he had randy moss and then they get gronk and aaron hernandez and all those weapons and all of a sudden he's th- putting up you know video game type numbers um and so you know and now he's 43 and you're at you're at an age that nobody has really performed at at that level in the sport before so right I mean, and i'm and, and i'm not interested so much so much in like brady's legacy because i don't think you know no matter what uh the bill plaskies of the world said like brady's going you know nobody's going nobody really remembers willie mays for falling down in, in center field and with the mets like that's a line that you put on there when somebody's old but you remember willie Mays, you know people who saw him willie mays is Arguably the greatest baseball player, or one of the greatest. Unitas is one of the great quarterbacks. You don't remember him with the Chargers, sure, whatever team he wound up with at the end there. You know, Montana, you don't really remember with the Chiefs. I do because the Bills knocked him out of a playoff game. Um, but I, but so I don't, so I'm not so much worried about his legacy. It's just gonna, it's just kind of fascinating to watch, to to think of, to seeing seeing him in another in another uniform. That's right. kind of cool to watch. Well, there's a couple of things that I think are worth mentioning. We are in uncharted territory with a quarterback of that age still putting up very good numbers. And look, Brady's numbers were not as good last year as they had been in in previous years, but they were still pretty good. It's also an era for throwers in in a way that it's never been. But you go back and you look at the old quarterbacks who had that twilight move. I mean, you mentioned Unitas. Unitas had started 10 total games the previous two seasons before right. he moved to San Diego at age 40. You know, the, the other name that gets thrown out a, a lot with this is Warren Moon. Now, Warren Moon was kind of a, an unusual figure because he played in the Canadian Football League his first year in Houston. He was 28. Um, right. And he actually played into his 40s, but he wasn't good. You know, he made a he – was, he was, I think he made a Pro Bowl – in 97, he was 41 years old. He was only 7-7 seven and seven that year as a starter. The next year, he only started 10 games. He was 4-6, and six, and then his career was essentially over. He had two years on the bench after that. Um, Steve DeBerg gets mentioned. Steve DeBerg came back at age 44 but hadn't played for five years, and he only right. played one game for the Falcons in that year. And so this is, this is uncharted territory. Brady might still have it. We don't really know. But I do think that from a legacy perspective, as you brought up, no one is going no one in that no one long term, there's always gonna be knuckleheads that decide that they're gonna make a big deal out of something now because they're trying to get attention. But nobody long term is gonna allow their perspective on Brady to be affected by what happens 
this year and next year or however long he ends up playing. Uh, even I was listening to the the Bill Simmons podcast that he did uh, in the aftermath of Brady leaving, and there was a lot of discussion about who had more to lose potentially over the next couple of years, Brady or Belichick. Uh, to me, it's like, well, neither of them because right. no one in their right mind is going to look at Brady and say, gosh, you can't do as a 43-year-old what you were doing 10 years ago. And I don't think anybody's going to look at Belichick and say, well, you don't have any cap flexibility, and you also just lost a six-time Super Bowl winner as a quarterback. How dare you not win another Super Bowl? Uh, I mean, right. like, like to me, it's like neither of those are scenarios. Now, if either of them does something, like if you're looking at it on a positivist scale, if Brady takes the Bucks to the NFC title game – yeah, I think that's going to be looked upon really kindly. Uh, but like, even though like Peyton Manning had a couple of good years and won a Super Bowl in a year that wasn't very good in Denver, I don't think anybody's looking at Peyton Manning's career in totality and saying to themselves, "Let's really heavily factor in what happened to those last couple of years that he was in Denver." Right. Speaking of the Colts, what do you think of uh, of starting quarterback Philip Rivers? What do you like? How do you like that move? So here's the thing, I. I um my senior year of college Indiana who had struggled a little bit was trying to get over the hump uh, with Cam Cameron as their as their head coach they play their opening game of the 2000 football season at home against North Carolina State and freshman quarterback Philip Rivers and all right we're leading Indiana was leading uh 38 to 28 with 5 minutes to play and Phil Rivers brought North Carolina State back. They won the game, and that kicked off the worst weekend in IU sports history because the very next day, IU fires Bob Knight. And uh, so I have nothing but terrible memories of Philip Rivers. And and even going through, like, people forget how many good Colts teams met an untimely demise in the playoffs at the hands of either the Steelers or the Chargers. Like, this was a pretty yeah. regular thing. So, you know, and, and the whole th- – everything that surrounds Phillip Rivers has – I've never had a positive feeling about the guy. He, he seems like kind of uh, – he, like he's – I don't know. He doesn't swear in press conferences, which seems performative rather than, like, his internal nature, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, You know, he – I remember – I can remember him, like – like making fun of Jay Cutler when Jay Cutler was on the Broncos, like on the field. And it's like, well, that's kind of douchey. Uh, yeah. And he just, to me, represents the type of quarterback that I remember growing up with watching other teams having where, wow, this guy puts up a lot of good numbers and then his team's always losing the playoffs and it never seems to be his fault. Um, right. So that's like, this dude is going to be, what is, how old is he right now? He is, his birthday is December 8th, and right now he's 38. So he's going to play the majority of this season as an old 38 or young 39-year-old. I don't have a lot of um, – I don't have a lot of expectations. I would right. say Phillip Rivers is, is an upgrade on an injured Jacoby Brissett, probably an upgrade on a healthy Jacoby Brissett. His, his numbers were uh, yards-wise better last year, and he didn't have that much to work with in San Diego, but maybe he gets you nine wins. Maybe you get a wild card. Uh, I'm, uh, this is entirely a stopgap, and it's starting to make me wonder if 
the Colts brain trust really knows what they're doing on the quarterback front because they they just essentially punted on getting a long-term answer at quarterback this year and instead there's Philip Rivers a guy that most of us have kind of um, not exactly been excited about watching over the course of the last decade and a half yeah it, it does seem like this weird kind of like it, it's not the move like you can argue Brady, you get him, and maybe Tampa Bay thinks, all right, we get one year out of him, we can get to 11 wins, you get into the playoffs, and you figure Brady wins a couple games on muscle memory, and you get to the NFC title game, maybe you get to the Super Bowl, and like, you know, he's Brady, he brings a lot of that intangible stuff, and he's that stopgap. I, I, didn't, I didn't get the sense, I didn't watch the Colts a lot this year, but it didn't seem like they were, and I know the whole Andrew Luck situation threw everything into chaos but it doesn't seem like if you're looking to make a move for one year that rivers is your guy like yeah. it's not you know it, it, it was a well, very weird move but uh, i, I but, think sorry. here's the problem with the colts that they have there's not really options on the free agent market that you would look at as long-term right solutions like you know i i applaud them for not going out and getting nick Foles, for instance like that would have oh yeah not been good uh, you know, you look across at the other options that are out there. I mean, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, I think that would have been an interesting choice, but I don't know. Nobody knows with Teddy Bridgewater if that's going to be your long-term option. Um, you know, same thing with, like, Cam Newton. Cam Newton seems entirely too beat up to be able to rely on him. At least with Phillip right. Rivers, you do – you look at him as, like, well, this guy's A, healthy, and B, is a – is, like, the very definition of a proven starter – you know he's True. he's he's uh, he's he's like 22 games over 500 as a starting quarterback. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's I don't I don't hate the move, but I'm not inspired by the move. And I think it just feels like the Colts decided well we could trade a bunch of assets and we could try to move up in the draft and take a a, a dice roll on a quarterback in the draft, or we could go with this stopgap. Maybe he has a, a unicorn season at age 38. And then we, you know, built, rebuild the rest of the offensive line and we rebuild the defense and we hope that that yields a couple of extra wins. I, I, I will say that it's, it's going to be interesting next year in the AFC because who's the favorite? I mean, obviously the Chiefs look like the favorite, but, you know, keep in mind the Chiefs were – they weren't dominant throughout the course of the season. Right. Um, you know, so the idea that, that they're going to come out and just run over everybody – in pursuit of the AFC title, that's probably not happening. The the Patriots no longer have Brady. You got to think that has a negative impact. The you know the Ravens have not demonstrated they can win in the playoffs. The Titans was that a fluke? I mean, are you really going to get another great year out of Ryan Tannehill? Can you really win lots of games with a run first approach? The Texans have self destructed. The Raiders are are locked in neutral. And, I mean, the other team that you have to talk about as a potential favorite is the Bills, who have made some good moves. But no offense, Brian, it's the Bills. So, I, Well, look, look, I, I, the, the, the second most bizarre thing that has happened to me this week is the <laughs> fact that the Bills are apparently good. Like, they're they're like, buyers. And, they're buyers. They're, it's incredible. And, <laughs> I, and not, like, good in that, oh, that's how cute you're trying ways, but, like, legitimately, like, not bad and like look this the digs deal that they made that's fabulous that's the deal you make they, they have on a team-friendly contract um the, they address the need at wide receiver the defense is good i mean you know if 
you know, it all comes down to, you know, Josh Allen's going to be decent or not, and the team's going to rise and fall on that. But now at least you'll, you'll be able to say, you know, what I like about this deal along with making all of, you know, getting him a weapon is like, now you're going to know, like if, if Allen is going to be legit or not. And look, I've become a huge fan of the Josh Allen YOLO experience because you kind of have to be like, he's not going to be the smart check down play a solid game quarterback. I mean, we saw that Texans playoff game. That's, that's the experience right there in in all it's good and all it's bad. I think you gotta have some fun with it. Um, You know, I, I, I have been, of course, conditioned through my years of Bills fandom to expect that things are going to fall apart in a really bad way this year, which is, of course, imminently possible. But, you know, just to kind of go into this year with for the first time and being like, they could be, they could be, they should be decent. Not just that they could be, but like they could be a pretty decent team. And yeah, the AFC is not super stacked i mean you got kansas city the texans were up there but lord knows what they're doing with their lives yeah i want to talk Um, about them real quick too yeah of course but just like like yeah it's so weird to be like and 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 to be making moves that are not just like you don't have to talk yourself into which kind of like you had to do with like the rivers deal like kind of all right that's not bad like the like the bills make the moves and it's like oh that's just like a legitimately decent move i don't know what's going on with my life but uh well but the texans yeah and um i mean i know what's happening with my life it's we're, we're living in the upside down but really the texans what the f like what are they doing with their lives well you know here's the thing it, it's funny to me how much they got piled on with the uh, DeAndre Hopkins trade and, and with all this whole series of moves, it's, it's really interesting. I, and I'm no fan of Bill O'Brien. I don't like the Texans. They're in the same division as the Colts. They're, they're another franchise. I don't think there's enough people that care about them to really get agitated one way or the other, but mm-hmm. it is interesting that, you know, Bill O'Brien made all these moves last year and everybody was predicting ruin and they ended up not just making the playoffs, but winning a playoff game. Mm-hmm. And and had a big lead on Kansas City, and then that all fell apart. Um, so they make another move like this, and everybody's just talking constantly about how bad a job Bill O'Brien is doing. And it's it, it, likely they are right, and yet you we've yet to see the Texans fall apart. You know, if anything, mm-hmm. they you know they, yeah. they they won the division, and they've they've demonstrated an ability to be. A you know a, a, a relatively consistent group. I just think it's it's interesting the the kind of the 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 differentiation between the commentary on what's going on. It's kind of like this with John Gruden and the Raiders. Like last year, everybody predicted the Raiders were going to be in the tank the whole year because of the moves that Gruden was making, and yet that was a competitive team for most of the mm-hmm. season. So I, I do think the narrative there and the way that people are covering it versus the reality is kind of interesting. It is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe that's just like how good Deshaun Watson is and what kind of presence he is. And and J.J. Watt on defense, they have like those two legit studs who seem to be like pretty good locker room guys, too. So maybe they're enough to to hold things together. But I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm a little bitter at the Texans, too, obviously, um, from that playoff game last year. Sure. Uh, so may, maybe we can be united and create create the anti-Texans podcast that the world I, does not need right now. I'm on board. And look, again, I, I think the Texans, they talk a huge game and, and by and large never back it up with anything that's tangible. And yet, if you look at the six years that Bill O'Brien's been the head coach, they've 
won the division four times. They've been to the playoffs four times, and there aren't a whole lot of other teams in the league that can say that. Right. Um, you know, they had the one really bad year in 2017, but they've just they've been a consistently pretty decent team, and, and in some cases, slightly better than that. I mean, last year, not this past year, but the year before, they were 11 and five. Right. Um, you know, I mean, so it's it's just I find the 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 differentiation between the the commentary on on O'Brien's moves and then what actually is going on on the field to be a pretty interesting one. So absolutely. Uh, any other storylines as we're we're getting close to wrapping up here? Anything else from the NFL that's noteworthy that you'd like to talk about? I don't think so. I mean, I mean, we're still a ways away from like uh, training camps being canceled or anything being moved. There, it's the one sport that's kind of far enough out on the horizon that we don't have to to worry about that right now or think about that right now. Yeah. But um, so I don't know. Uh, we'll see where, where things go forward. Yeah. It's here. looking around. I mean, there's not, there haven't been that many earth shattering deals or anything like that. Uh, you know, there were, there was a couple like Austin Hooper getting a four year, $44 million deal as a tight end with the Browns. Uh, yeah. You do wonder a bit, I, the Browns again, like they go into this year with, a lot riding on it, and yet no faith that they're actually going to do anything. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and and they're you, you just you look down the line there, and that's that's a franchise. Can you name the last year the Browns went to the playoffs? Two thousand four, two thousand two. Oh, but I remember that, and that was like the fluky year that they that they won like ten games, and um, yeah, it was. I remember that that very random year who's their quarterback that year was some oh lord now i gotta look this up it was Rim- kelly again, it was Rim- kelly holcomb yeah. it was it was kelly yes, holcomb Kelly Holcomb. remember yes, and that was the buffalo, year another former buffalo bill quarterback the, butch davis was the head coach of yeah. the browns they actually were leading the steelers in heinz field uh what was it like i forget now it was like 20 it was 27 14 browns at the start of the fourth quarter and they lost 36-33. Uh, you know, just, just a very, very, you know, just a, the archetype of a Browns game. But, man, I mean, you talk about a, a franchise that needs to figure out a way to break through. I'm curious to see what happens with them. I'm curious to see what happens with the Steelers. And, mm-hmm. you know, but but there had – you know, there, and then there was, of course, the news that Todd Gurley got cut by the Rams and got picked up mm-hmm. by the Falcons. I mean, that's mildly interesting. But, again, it's just – it's amazing how – quickly guys are done in the in the right. league like and, and we talk about it regularly it's just a it's a feature of the NFL but it almost makes like once you get through the the first big rush of free agency it almost makes all those other deals kind of secondary in nature because you realize that there's not much cream outside of that initial crop so yeah. Um, well, I know you got a heart out here, so we uh, do. We'll yes. With, yeah. We'll, so uh, we'll be back with hit us up with topics. We literally are, need stuff to talk about. Um, and, and and if you've listened to any of our I don't know 140 thousand episodes that we that we've done in the past, there is literally no topic too small that we cannot address at some length. We have no pride at this point, <laughs> so we're uh, we're willing to sacrifice whatever little is left. For your entertainment. So consider that our gift to you. Uh, this is the flip side. We're happy to be talking to you once again. We'll be back next week with more episodes. For Brian Moritz, I'm Galen Clavia. We'll catch you on the flip side. So long, everybody. Yeah.